Foo Fighting. Scott Reed filling in here. Guest hosting all afternoon on The Rush at News Talk 1010 is now the spectacular time of day, the fantastic time of week when we welcome two of our favorites in as smart speakers. Going to take us here through for the next half hour. Our first guest panelist. An outstanding person, Genevieve Tomney, principal at GT and Company, which sounds a little like GT, which sounds like you're pouring yourself a drink right now. So you got to get behind that. Aaron Morrison, longtime political strategist, now principal at Morrison Comms. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Great. Hi, Scott. All right. We were just talking with Toronto, the entire city, all of its people and its populace, about the subject of QR codes on restaurant menus, how much we hate them, whether we want to get like inside this whole technology movement and drag it back to a time that was pre-pandemic when QR codes were not allowed to be a way to guide us to restaurant menus. Jen, I'm going to start with you. Are you with me or against me? Will you fight the, uh, the, the, the forces of the future on this, or are you going to surrender uh, to the great spaceship uh, QR code machine in the sky. <laughs> you know, I have to say I didn't think of it much until I knew we were going to be talking about it today. But when I do think about it, I think what annoys me the most about the QR codes is that when I like get out there on the rare occasions when I get to go out and be a human in public and sit down at a dinner, the last thing I want to do is be looking at my phone. And I get it, you know, like it gives people more flexibility to be able to change the menu day to day. Put a chalkboard on the wall. I'd prefer to look at that than I would at my phone if I'm finally sitting down to dinner with another human being sitting across from me. Aaron? Uh, you know, I heard you folks talking about this on News 101010 this afternoon, and please don't at me, but I just thought, okay, boomer, you know, I like, knew it. I knew you were going <laughs> to hit me with that. I'm sorry. Look, the, the, um, the folks who are arguing, uh, look, I really do like to put my phone away when I'm out for dinner with my friends or, or, you know, my family, like Genevieve was saying, I agree. That's great. We all want that for sure. Um, and it's nice when restaurants, particularly high end restaurants have lovely, beautifully printed menus. I like that. I still like old fashioned newspapers sometimes too, for sure. But the idea of the breathless pearl clutching about having to use your phone for two and a half minutes to look at the menu. Um, I think it's, I think it's just a little overwrought. So what you're really saying is that you want your dining experience with a close friend, family member um, to be absolutely disintermediated. You want it to be interrupted by a little box with black dots. <laughs> you don't want to actually lean over and say, oh, wait a second, just turn the page there. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's that looks, that looks delicious. Let's ask the waiter about that. Oh, is there anything that you would pair with it? You don't want any of that experience. You just want to like, well, toggle, 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 click. Oh, by the way, I just got a note from someone. Somebody, hey, here's a text. Oh, this of this, a YouTube video on how to build a shed in your backyard. That does sound like a better way to approve uh, and approach life. <laughs> well, look, we're all adults here. And if looking at your phone for 30 seconds leads you to be literally unable to go watch some YouTube videos, then then maybe we have a bigger problem than that's how probably me. Presented. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a fine summary, and I think you're correct. We do have a bigger problem. I certainly have a much bigger problem. All right, speaking of problems, let's talk about our friends in the federal government, the Trudeau Liberals. Um, they're having a cabinet retreat. I know they had a caucus yesterday. Um, the, the newspapers have been filled this week with uh, backbench liberal MPs talking about what's 
bugging them, which is unusual because really, actually, all things considered, for the past eight, nine years, they've been a very disciplined bunch. They don't talk out of turn too often. They're not freelancing a bunch. But you've got a story here where, you know, with the government at 24% in the polls, um, you've got MPs in this story saying, look, we need to go negative on Polyev. You've got other people saying, our agenda's great. We just need to do a better job of communicating it, whatever in hell that means. I've heard that line a million times. You got other people saying, look, we've got to change our focus, shift here. It's got to be more about how you've got everything from nuts to soup. What do you guys think about this? Like, first, what do you think about all these MPs? Um, you know, cracking off in public. Aaron, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you. And and what do you think this says about where they're at? Is this like, is, is this panic on their part? Full-on liberal panic. They're in a downward spiral. When you read uh, or listen to Yvonne Baker's um, Etobicoke uh, Centre uh, liberal MP, Yvonne Baker's uh, media blitz yesterday, where um, he just went after Mayor Olivia Chow, um, I, I just think, I thought it was bizarre. I thought we had Mayor Chow talking about you know, she's upset that we have asylum seekers sleeping in the streets in cold weather. She's upset that we have crumbling roads. She's upset that we have a $1.8 billion budget deficit. And Yvonne Baker and Julie Zerowitz are upset that they might lose their seats in the next election. Um, I thought I thought it was tone deaf. And I think that that is a symptom of liberal panic. Um, and you can always bet on one thing when the liberals are in panic mode. And that's they try to out new Democrat, the new Democrats, and they try to out conservative the conservatives. Uh, and it just makes for a bizarre uh, period in the media. So we'll see coming out of the cabinet retreat, whether we get some message management or uh, whether this continues. All right, Jen. So, you know, as we've heard from Aaron, uh, Mayor Chow is an enlightened creature who's guided only by uh, the most apolitical of considerations and the, and the, and the most glorious of motivations. Um, I, I, I have to say, though, I agree with Aaron. There is a hint of panic. There's a hint of d- ill discipline. And I, and I did think that it was a real mistake by Baker to give the mayor the fight she wanted. They elevated that fight. They, they took a portion of the argument about how responsible the federal government was. So, I mean, you've kicked in and around politics a long time. What do you make of all this? Yeah, so I I think you're right on that. I think that they were baited into that one a little bit. But look, I think, you know, we're still really far out from an election. And I think that there is a little bit of message testing going on right now, right? Like, Scott, you mentioned like, oh, it's a problem with communication. We need to communicate things better. We need to speak to people differently. Well, yeah, we do hear that a lot. And that, to me, is probably a little bit of what's going on right now, um, because we're still so far out. And, you know, there is that that seasoned old belief that only when Canadians are actually tuned in can we really even start to trust what the polls are saying. But I do think there remains a risk for the federal Liberals of putting too much stock in that idea. So you're right, there is going to have to be some discipline and it's going to have to come soon because people are facing the fundamental issues of like, can I pay my rent this month? Is my grocery bill going to sink me? 
Um, and and those are somewhat within the realm of, of government to be able to do something about, but also subject to some pretty powerful external forces. So, um, you know, I think probably the best gift to the federal liberals in the next six months would be some kind of shift from this economic no man's land that we're living in right now. Um, that's going to help people feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel versus just more doom and gloom. But I do think that probably some of the the message testing that's going on right now is because liberals are going to need to position themselves really carefully in all of that to take credit if the tide does turn, but not take the fall if it doesn't. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, 24% in the polls and knowing that people were paying attention and an election could come sometime in the next year, year and a half. I would conclude that that is exactly the right time to panic. I would stand up in that movie theater and yell fire. I, I like I like on the one hand, it can look like they're they're losing their nerve. On the other hand, you say to yourself, well, now that's kind of a rational reaction to the situation they're in, isn't it? So we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, I, I'm just going to stick with this for one more second. Just quickly, Aaron, and come back to you because uh, we don't have much time. We only got 30 seconds before we get to the break. But, um, you know, how do you foresee? I know I know how you see the fight. Uh, turning out with Chow and, and the feds, I can guess. But how do you see this turning out in terms of within the Liberal caucus? Do you think that the prime minister gets people back into Ottawa and says, all right, pipe down and get saying one thing? Or do you think that we're going to see more and more of this kind of freelancing? I think that the PMO is fine with what Yvonne Baker uh, and his crew oh, did. Oh, you think it's an organized strategy? I think it's possible. And, you know, I'll tell you why. It's because yesterday we didn't have uh, an anonymous source speaking on condition of anonymity from the prime minister's office quietly saying they would like to rein in this type of comment. Right. Like that's what a PMO would do if an MP has gone rogue. And I don't think this was an MP going rogue. All right. Rogue. Rogue. Like a Star Wars film. Okay. Jen Tony, Aaron Morrison, smart speakers. We're not done. We're only halfway done. When we come back from traffic, we're going to talk more. Plenty O issues. Don't go anywhere, Toronto. We'll be right back on News Talk 1010. Welcome back, Toronto. Hope you're having a safe and lovely drive home. Scott Reed sitting in as guest host here on The Rush. I'm going to take you to 6 o'clock. We are smack dab in the center of the segment we like to refer to as smart speakers. Tonight's smart speakers, Jen Tony, principal at GT and Company, Aaron Morrison, longtime political strategist, principal at Morrison Communications. Guys, just before I jump into the next section, next subject, we got a note from someone on the on the uh, uh, board wanted to know what QR codes stands for. Do either of you know? I'm going to take that as a no. Dead. Silence. Tumbleweed <laughs> silence. Nothing better for radio than long stretches of nothing. <laughs> QR code stands for quick response codes. I know that because I read it in this article that I was referring to earlier. I didn't know that. Was quick response codes, which, by the way, is kind of like not true and anyway so another reason to hate them but anyway we moved on off that topic we know that uh, Aaron welcomes our technological enslavement so we'll uh, chop on to something else let's talk politics Pierre Poliev leader of the federal conservatives is wooing uh, the province of Quebec uh, by taking a big baguette to the head of the mayors of Montreal and Quebec City at issue 
is there are some reports that you know construction of uh, residential housing is actually at an extraordinary, not just as it is everywhere, uh, at a low ebb, but it's at a uniquely low ebb in Montreal and Quebec. And Polyab says these mayors are incompetent. He blames them and nimbyism and overregulation and a lack of political courage on their part for this. Is this a good political strategy, Jen? I mean, it seems odd, but maybe he thinks he's on the right side of the issue and that the voters will rally to him in La Belle Provence. I mean, I guess if you feel like you don't have a play at all in Quebec, then it's a good political strategy. But to me, you know, um, these are fairly well-liked municipal leaders and certainly a weird fight to pick. Look, I mean, there's probably some accuracy in what he's saying, because we've seen from side to side of this country that municipalities of all sizes are taking a good long look at how they factor into the housing crisis and making changes accordingly. And frankly, in many ways, we have Sean Fraser, the minister, and the federal liberals to thank for that by using the Housing Accelerator Fund, you know, in a pretty clever way to push some of these Byzantine municipal processes forward. But I will say, there is a way of wielding your baguette with some grace. And to me, Polyev did not find it. Aaron? Totally agree. I feel terrible for the conservative staff. They tried so hard with the new t-shirts and the contact lenses and the ads. They tried so hard to make him look like a nice guy. Uh, but he just can't, uh, he just can't keep his attitude in check. This is just not how a leader behaves. It's childish, divisive. He is more interested in complaining about problems and being angry than he is in fixing them. Um, I agree that the Housing Accelerator Fund, it's not a be-all, end-all. It's not a silver bullet. It's not magic pixie dust. Um, uh, and there are some issues there. But taking what we've got and coming up with more solutions would be a heck of a lot more welcome than uh, attacking duly elected officials. I think you're both wrong, and I hate it, but I think you're both wrong. I think that he thinks that those two mayors are, from a partisan and political standpoint, his opponents. I think he has his eyeball on a certain voter coalition there. It's not huge, but it's sizable, and I think he thinks he's going to be ringing their bell with what he has to say. But we shall see. Um, I think there's more oh, method uh, than anger behind it. All right. Um, I know this is going to hit you both. I'm, I hope you're seated because I don't, I, I don't want to um, knock the stuffing out of you with this terrible bit of news. This is going to be very devastating for you both, given your personal habits. But standing or stopping on pedestrian bridges in Las Vegas will now uh, be prohibited, uh, subject to a $1,000 U.S. fine. I think that's $16,000 Canadian, so very sizable. Uh, they did this because people were pausing on the strip, on the ped on the pedestrian bridge there, and taking photographs, and it was causing, like, I don't know, you know, people to have to squeeze past other people. I don't know what the hell the problem was. But anyway, is this is this like, do you think people have a right to stand on an outdoor uh, bridge? Like, do they, do they deserve to be fined, Aaron? <laughs> I, no, they don't deserve to be fined. I find this so bizarre. The thing that Vegas is known for, the reason people go to Vegas. Get divorced uh, and get Poor, right? <laughs> no, you know what? It's the chance to feel a little less inhibited. The whole city's economy is built on the idea that you can be a little bit less inhibited there because what what you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? So the idea that you're going to be policed 
uh, and have to pay a fine if you're not walking quickly enough or whatever, that it it goes uh, against the Vegas mantra. It flies in the face of what Vegas tries to be for people, you know, love it or hate it. Um, and I just this just feels dumb to me. Jen, I, I, I thought I thought the United States was captured in a frenzy of libertarianism where like even local law officers are no longer permitted to tell people to do things that they don't want to do already. So how can this, as Aaron says, in the land of the do what you want, it stays in Vegas. How can this be, uh, how can this be permitted? I have a very kind of hazy recollection of standing on a bridge in Vegas with one of those, you know, those really tall plastic cups with the really tall straw in it. I know exactly the cup you mean. Yes. Yep. Taking a video of those fountains for probably 25 minutes. Can you imagine how many times that that fine person would have walked by me Mm. in those 25 minutes? Like I would have been broker than I was at the casino. What what is going on? Why are we why are we focused on this? I would really like to understand what the significant safety risk is in in this because I feel like even in Vegas there must be bigger fish to fry. So sad, Aaron. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that Jen actually also pointed at the faux Eiffel Tower and said, "Look, we're in Paris." That's how <laughs> that's how many of those strangely colored cups she had drained. Um, I, you know, I'm going to stick with this for a second, in all honesty, because we don't have another t- enough time to start another uh, another topic. So just give us a, another minute on the way out, Aaron. I want to I want to ask you this, like I, this libertarian, this kind of like you know, uh, you know, live free, die free, shoot whoever you want mentality in the United States. Uh, I'm just freelancing here. Is it going to come to an end? Is is Trump going to get reelected in November? Oh my goodness, I'm. I am uh, I am scared. I am genuinely worried uh, for our friends south of the border. Um, it feels like it feels like the Trump election all over again, where we were like, it can't happen. It's never going to happen. Don't worry about it. Hillary's got this. You know, you do the math on the Electoral College. She'll be fine. Um, but uh, he's like a juggernaut um, and his people will stop at nothing. So um, um I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I'm worried. Jen, any contradiction on that analysis? Nope. I think that, um, you know, just watching the way um, things are going right now within the Republican Party, uh, I mean, it's clear that that's heading in one direction, and it feels like a bit of a steamroller election this time around. All right, Jen, Tony, Aaron Morrison, our smart speakers died in the wool Trump haters. Uh, And you're right. We're going to get him as president again. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you in the future. Scott Reed sitting here. We got one more hour left on the rush. That's uno-er, folks. So don't go anywhere. We got lots to talk about when we get on the other side.